A very good morning to you. It's great to be back with you, and it's my privilege once again to share the Word of God with you. Last week, we started a series on Bible narratives, and we had a look at the creation story in the beginning from Genesis 1-1 just to the beginning of Genesis 2. And uh, again, the very bottom line of everything we spoke about then was that in the beginning, God created. That has to be the starting point, because if we take out of the picture anything about God creating, then we lose the rest of the scripture as well. Because if we, if we cast any doubt on those first few verses in scripture, we may as well get rid of all of scripture, and that's a disaster. So today, we pick up with our second story, the story found in the Garden of Eden. And I'm going to encourage you to go and read that. You'll find it from Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, right through to Genesis 3, verse 24. And I must say that uh, it's got some really, really exciting stuff in it. Just a quick summary, because I don't want to take time reading for now. In Genesis chapter 2, we really see an expanded version of the creation of man and the animals uh, from chapter 1, an expansion of that. Uh, the Garden of Eden, we see that being planted by God himself. And then in the middle of that garden, we read about the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It tells us uh, that Adam was told not to touch the one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It teaches us uh, the concept of death introduced for the very first time. Adam names the animals. Uh, the fact that there's no suitable helper for Eve that's found, the fact that Adam is put into a deep sleep, and then we know that Eve was taken from Adam's side. That's chapter 2. Then in chapter 3, of all the 1,189 chapters in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3 must be without question the most tragic, because here we find Eve being tempted by the serpent, Adam just following on their pathetic attempts to cover and to hide, and then the introduction of the blame game, which we'll talk about in a short while. The tragic result of their disobedience, well, they swapped allegiances. They chose rather to listen to Satan than to God. We see sin entering onto the planet, the curse uh, and all that went with it, the pain that followed, and then ultimately death, both, both spiritual and physical death. So that's just a brief overview of what happened in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And this morning I want to draw some lessons out of these two chapters, and we're going to look at some of the verses in them specifically. Lesson number one for this morning. Beware of the subtlety of Satan. Beware of the subtlety of Satan. Now, we know that the serpent mentioned here was Satan. Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. We need to understand that Satan was not scary at that time. He would not have been scary. Uh, not only was there no fear on the earth at that stage, but he would have been a beautiful creatures, creature. 
Many creatures, creatures, many scholars, sometimes these scholars are creatures, many scholars have actually said that Satan may, that serpent, may even have had wings. Quite interesting. Anyway, Satan starts off gently bringing into doubt the goodness of God. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, uh, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Now we know what God said. God said, you can eat of any trees here in the garden except that one. So Satan comes along and notice the subtlety. Notice the deception here of sin. He says, did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And then he brings in the big gun. He says, you will surely not die, the serpent says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. What a sad story. So subtle. Just placing into Eve's mind this doubt about God's goodness. Maybe God wasn't quite telling him the whole picture. Maybe God was withholding something good from them. So she looks and she sees this fruit is good for food and pleasing to the eye. Now, we don't know what kind of fruit it was. I know that people talk about apples and all sorts of things. I like to think it was a fig because the Bible specifically says they took fig leaves to try and cover themselves. <laughs> I think maybe it was a fig and some rabbis would agree with me, but it doesn't really matter. She looks at this fruit and she sees it's good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. She takes some of it and she eats it. She also gives some to Adam who was with her. He takes it and eats it. You see, Eve made the mistake of entering into debate with Satan. This angel of light who looked so good, who sounded so good. Friends, I want to warn you of the subtlety of sin. Anytime you put a question mark behind the word of God instead of an exclamation mark, you're being used by, this, by the devil himself. Many today, and in particular within the church, many theologians today are questioning God's word and stand in judgment of it when actually the word is supposed to judge us. All sin, you see, begins in the mind. Then it goes to action and very often becomes habit. And when we even stop to consider whether God's word is true or not, we are actually entering into debate with Satan. We will always lose when we use our own logic and when we try and do that in the power of our own flesh. What did Jesus do when he had been fasting for 40 days and found himself in the desert? What happened when Satan came to him? He simply said, it is written. He just declared, it is written. There's no debate here. It is written. Think about how the church has abused the scriptures over the years. Think about some of the modern lifestyle choices that people are making. When it is written, instead, the fancy theologians, the clever people, all start picking apart God's word and saying how irrelevant it is to today's culture. 
That's rubbish. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, Each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Friends, all that glitters is not gold. Beware the subtlety of sin. Lesson number two we can learn from the Garden of Eden, is that we need to really understand the seriousness of sin. We need to understand the seriousness of sin. In Genesis chapter 6, I beg your pardon, in chapter 3 from verse 6, the Bible says, She also gave, Eve also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is so tragic. Adam casually takes the fruit and eats it. You see, Eve almost had an excuse. Eve lost a debate with Satan. Adam just took that fruit for no good reason. I suspect he was thinking not thinking with the brain he should have been thinking with. God had specifically instructed Adam. God had given the orders to him. You can eat from any tree in the garden, including the tree of life. Adam could have taken and eaten the tree of life and never died. God gave him one instruction not to eat from one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But that momentary pleasure outweighed the commandment of his master, that command, and that took all of us down. Even though Eve took the first bite, it was actually Adam who had been instructed, and it was Adam that gave way. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. So now today, because of Adam, we all find ourselves sinners. We were all born into sin. We need to consider the seriousness of that sin. 1 Timothy 2.13 says, Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. You get the picture? It carries on to say it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But Adam was not deceived. He did it willfully with his eyes wide open. Oh, friends, sin is serious. Anytime we miss God's perfect standards, we're going down. And when we do, we need to run to Him, not try to hide away. Hiding doesn't help. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. We can't get away. So let's run to him. Let's recognize the serious nature of our sin and run to him. Sin is so serious. Only God Almighty can help us. Lesson number three from the Garden of Eden. The blame game is as old as Adam, but it's still 
doesn't work. The blame game. It's as old as Adam, but it still doesn't work. Such a sad story. Trying to cover themselves with fig trees, uh, fig leaves, trying to hide from God. I read to you from verse 7. The Bible says, The eyes of them, after they had eaten it, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They tried to hide. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In the cool of the day is directly translated in the spirit, actually. So here God was walking in the garden in the spirit, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? God knew exactly where he was. Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? And listen to the blame game. The man said, the woman you put here with me. He even tries to blame God. He blames the woman, and he blames God. She gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> can, can you see the progression here? It's everyone else's fault. The woman's fault, the serpent's fault, even God's fault. Friends, the blame game is as old as Adam and it still doesn't work. I simply have to own up. To my own sin. 1 John 1 verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death. See, every one of us is a sinner. We've all sinned. If we say we haven't sinned, the truth is not in us. We deceive ourselves. And the payment for that sin is death. So learn this lesson today. If nothing else, quit the blame game and own up. The good news, 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, if we own up, if we don't blame everybody else, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Romans 3.24, it says, We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Romans 6.23, the second part says, The gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, we will never get on as long as we play the first human game designed by Satan to have no positive outcome, the blame game. Personally, I think Adam and Eve may have been politicians if we think about the blame game or those um, 
those uh, CEOs of companies who have been caught out to be uh, doing all sorts of wrong things, the blame game. Or the husband who's been cheating on the wife, the blame game. Or the child who has disobeyed the parent, the blame game. We will never get on as long as we keep playing that game. Own up, own up, own up. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. And then the last little lesson this morning from the Garden of Eden, lesson number four, is that there is grace in the midst of failure for those who seek it. There is grace in the midst of failure for those who seek it. God asking those that that question, I think, must be one of the saddest questions out in the Bible. Where are you? Where are you? What have you done? Where are you? What, what, what is, what's, God knew exactly where he was, but in asking him, where are you? Like, where are you, Adam? What, what's gone on? The Bible isn't a record of man's search for God, unfortunately. It should be, and it often calls us to seek him. But the Bible actually is a record of God's search for man. Where are you? You who are listening to me today, you who are watching me today, where are you? Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. In the midst of Adam and Eve's disobedience, here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God brings a word of hope, the promise of a Savior. I will put enmity, God speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What a profound verse. The first pronouncement of the gospel, a prediction of Calvary. A great battle will exist between Christ and the forces of evil, but on the cross, Christ will forever win that battle. We need to note that consequences of sin may endure, but forgiveness is complete. What were some of the consequences of that, that first sinning pair? Well, the ground became hard work. They got evicted from the garden. Babies became painful. Women became subservient. The introduction of sin excluded them from the garden, as I mentioned. They entered into a danger zone of death, both spiritual and physical. And to this day, we're still created in His image. And to this day, we still know good and evil. See, that was, that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they didn't eat of it, they would have only known good. They would have eaten eventually, I'm sure, from the tree of life, and they would have only ever known good. But these first fellows, they chose to choose the serpent's cunning instead of God's kindness and goodness. And they chose to unwrap this tree, this knowledge of good and evil. And to this day, we are stuck in this place of good and evil. But what a joy. There is grace in failure for those who seek it. Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. 
see sin starts with our thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Friends, the lesson we learned this morning from the Garden of Eden story, number one, beware the subtlety of Satan. Don't waste your time trying to debate anything in God's word. Not if you're trying to do away with it. You're welcome to debate it if you're trying to learn and grow and expand. But don't try and do away with it to satisfy your own sin. Beware of the subtlety of Satan. He still comes as an angel of light. He doesn't come as a scary monster with fire coming out of his nose and horns on his head. He comes as an angel of light. Beware the subtlety of Satan. Second lesson, understand how serious sin is. It's death. The wages of sin is death. There is no excuse for your sin. It's death, spiritual and indeed physical. The third lesson we learned this morning is the blame game is as old as Adam, but it still does not work. Own up, man up, woman up. Own up to your sin. Repent from it, turn from it, and turn to God and find those times of refreshing that he has for each one of us. And the last lesson, number four, there is grace in the midst of failure for those who seek it. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Oh, let us pray together. Lord, thank you for these lessons that we learn today. Thank you mostly for Jesus. Thank you that we can be found in him and he in us. Thank you that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't end the story in the, the Garden of Eden, but thank you that you put right in the middle of that terrible situation the promise and the victory of Calvary that we can come running to, come clinging to today again as we confess our sins, as we find your favor and your grace in all things. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. Thank you for joining with us with the second story. And next, year, next week, God willing, we're going to have a look at the first offspring uh, that we see on the planet and the things that went wrong in their lives too, some lessons we can learn out of them. We hope to see you again next week in Jesus' name. Bye-bye.